Okay, welcome, friends, down the security rabbit hole to another down the security rabbit hole podcast. This is episode 303, and here's Raf, and over yonder is James. I think our episode numbers are getting close to the temperature coming up this summer. <laughs> this is another heat hot. wave. Yeah, it's been hot this year. In Georgia, basically, it pours, and then it gets really hot, and it pours again, and it gets really hot. <laughs> So it's pr- like the windows outside right now are just running. It's basically a steam bath. They're just wa- streaming water down them. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's uh, you know, same thing down here in Florida, man. It's a you know that humidity. It rains and then it goes to like three hundred percent humidity. Ah, uh, so miserable. Hey, speaking of <laughs> speaking of really hot, Mr. Brian Rosek joins us from the great state of Texas. Brian, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I- I'm laughing because you know being a weatherman down here it must be the easiest job in the summer. You just say high of 100, low of 80. Next. <laughs> I actually, so you know, my, my office is there. Actually, about a mile from your house, Brian, as we discovered. And uh, uh, we were, I was looking at the temperature for not this week but the next. And it's like one, 101 during the day, 84 at night. 101 during the day, 84 at night. What I'm like, really? <laughs> that is just a lazy man's version of weather. <laughs> Well, you know, here it's this, it's similar. The only thing you have to throw in there is it'll rain at some point today. <laughs> yeah, well, George is turning into that too. Hey, speaking of rain and making it rain, oh, that's a, that's a terrible segue. Where's Michael when we need a good segue? So, Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself for those folks that don't know who you are and uh, what you do. Sure. I'm a managing executive director with Optiv, so I'm doing the security consulting thing, uh, having a good time with that. I've been doing that for the last three years. Uh, prior to that, I was the uh, CISO for Texas Instruments. Uh, I had that job for a good 13 years, uh, quite a long time. Uh, and prior to that, I was doing software development uh, for TI. So, so it's been uh, it's been a fun ride. That's a, that's a long tenure for a position that what typically only has three years tenure? Yeah, I, I blew the curve for, for a lot of people <laughs> in that role. So I'd like to think that was a good thing. Well, uh, yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, clearly, uh, you, you, there's no uh, no massive incidents, no nothing on your watch. So, um, you did good, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Now I'm, I'm trying to help other people too. I also teach at the University of Dallas, so I need to get you out there to be a, a guest lecturer for my class. I'm sure they would really enjoy that. Yeah, no kidding. I'm happy to do it. Hey, um, so look, you've got a long storied history of, of executive leadership, and now you're sitting in front of other executives advising them. Um, have you have you ever like just for a second thought, man, this is awkward? I used to sit on the other side of this table. Yeah, I did. <laughs> in fact, it, I often wondered when I first took this this role of what can I possibly tell uh, these CISOs that they don't already know. Uh, but I found out that there's actually quite a bit we can share. So uh, when when 
when you get out there, um, you know, where do these conversations start today? Because yeah, I, I imagine, like, down from, if you, if you read Twitter and the InfoSec Twitterati, right, it's uh, need more budget, need more headcount is, is kind of where it goes. But I suspect that at the actual leadership level, it's a little different. It, it is. What, uh, what I often see is uh, CISOs today are just overwhelmed with options. Uh, there are, you know, literally a hundred different projects and initiatives they could do. Uh, look at all the new technologies and, and niche players that are coming out uh, every year. And so it's just trying to to make sense of all the chaos and madness and figure out you know, what are the three, four, five things that I absolutely need to do this year to move my program forward. So cutting through the clutter uh, and putting that that strategy together, a huge challenge. I mean, I guess we don't really help with that either because, you know, ask anybody out there what are the top three to four things you should be doing, and every list is different. A- absolutely. And, and every new product has a really good uh, pitch on why you need to buy that or why you need to deploy it. And it makes sense. Um, but in your context, is that really what you need to be doing right now? Do you think a lot of, do you think a lot of organizations spend too much focus initially on product versus taking that time because i mean obviously it's difficult to say look i'm going to hold off on buying anything right now the first thing i need to do is i need to come in here and, and figure out what i got going on internally to know where i'm going is there a, is there so much pressure being added to be able to say hey it's, i'm showing i'm doing something so let me go get some of this stuff yeah product product is the easiest way to show value uh, look I, I spent money and look what i got i got this product and here's some of the cool things that it's doing uh, it's that immediate uh, feedback that you get when you deploy it uh, is powerful. Um, when you talk about doing assessments and putting a strategy together, you know, it's a little more nebulous. Uh, and there's always a sort of a sense of, well, wait a minute, you're the CISO. You should already know all this stuff. Why do you need somebody to come in and help you assess your environment? Oh, I, I, that's, 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 the, uh, that's the one thing we, you know, when I was doing kind of what you were doing, we struggled on that team is, so many CISOs were telling us that I, I really need the help, but my, uh, my my management won't let me. Uh, doesn't you know? It's like, well, we just hired we just hired you for that. What do you mean you need help? Exactly. You should know all this stuff, right? You're the security expert. <laughs> that, that's actually you know, it's funny you say that because I think it's even not even just the CISO level that suffers from that. Uh, you know, I was talking to somebody recently who's starting to build up an AppSec team, you know, and trying to say like, hey, this is the perfect time. Let's start talking about this stuff. You know, let me share some of my experience with you, how you can build this up. You know, and the response was now, you know, it's too early for that. You know, we, let us do this stuff and, and then we'll bring you in. And, you know, I've, I feel a lot of that is in regards to this idea that there's this assumption that the internal, they, they're expected to know everything without being able to rely on external resources, which you're really kind of missing out on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you bring up access because that's that's one of the two areas where I've I've seen uh, security uh, really starting to expand into uh, application security. And uh, the second one uh, is around the industrial controls environment. I'm starting to see uh, your traditional CISOs creeping into that area and starting to pick up more responsibility. So, Brian. What are the, the like the top things that you that you're seeing that does is there any trend that we can gather? I mean, is, is it really every company is completely different? There's, I mean, I'm sure there's something. Yeah, I, I, a couple things that I'm seeing um, is I'm seeing a, a balance uh, between 
uh, two extremes. So on one hand, I'm seeing a lot of security programs doing a a return and refresh to some of the key fundamental activities. So I'm seeing lots of companies where they're refreshing their vulnerability management program uh, or they're they're on a big identity and access management initiative. And, and what I found was is you know they deployed a tool or they took a small first step and they thought, glad that's over with. And then they realized, wow, there's more to it. Uh, in other cases, I've seen situations where they had a good program, but over 12, 18, 36 months, you know, people rotate in, change jobs, new projects come up, and then that program kind of starts to, to dwindle. And so you're seeing this constant refresh and let's, let's tidy up and tighten up some of these fundamental things. Then at the same so, hold, time, hold, hold oh, on, hold on. Let, let me pull sure. on that just a little bit because before you before you leave that, so that's mm-hmm. something that we've seen, I uh, probably last five six years. That's been uh, that's it's 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 a it's a ramping cycle because we've seen the security uh, the CISO the security leadership start a bunch of projects that get mostly done halfway done they don't quite have the resources to really optimize right which is that final right. step and so this it, it's implemented it's running it's out of the box okay we got to go to the next one and then it never gets better right and so you you get into situations where the company gets breached like well we've implemented all these things and somebody says ask the obvious question well how many of them were implemented to, to an optimized point and they go well none of them because we didn't have time so so i'm glad i'm Part of me is super glad that we're seeing that you're seeing that because that means that there's a realization that well crap, you know, uh, installing something with out of the box capabilities really isn't doing anybody any good. Right. It's back to that. Instead of doing the assessment of do you have it, yes or no, it's more that maturity of okay, I have it. How well am I using it? Am I leveraging it? Do I have all the other processes uh, and people around it? Uh, and that's usually quite the wake up call for. For some companies, hmm. well, and that's—I mean—that's oftentimes the kicker, though. I mean, this is where you're going to see, you know, without getting too deep into the whole, I don't have enough people, I don't have enough money. You know, it's one thing to go out and, and pick a a solution and say, I'm going to implement this. You know, and I, I see this all the time with organizations that go and they're like, Hey, we're going to implement static analysis. And it's like, that's great, but, you know, it's not just going buying a tool and saying, I've got it implemented. You know, there's there's a whole process around this, you know, and so going out and throwing it in there and then six months later you look and you say, hey, how, how often have you scanned? Oh, yeah, we don't scan anymore. You know, <laughs> that newness wore off of, hey, we did this and it was a big, huge thing. But one of the things I feel a, a lot of places struggle with is having actually that skill set to take it to that next level. You know, it doesn't take a whole lot of skill set to be able to go out and, and get a tool and actually get it implemented into your environment. But to actually tune it and get it up and running and get it kind of working on its own and doing all that, that's kind of that next level skill set that I wonder, I mean, do you see this where maybe we don't have that in a lot of places? Uh, I think we have it, but I think that skill set, because it's so valuable, often gets moved to the new cool latest project and then those other areas suffer uh, and so we really struggle with that you always put your best best guy on the the most visible project it's that how do you get the other people uh, trained up and in a position to to play that role 
So this is kind of the role I think that uh, that consultants can play, right? Outside help is that's what their job is to optimize, and they should, you know, they have that broad experience. And this is kind of why I always thought trying to implement these projects, you know, on your own. And back, you know, a couple jobs ago, um, we would sell a, you know, our sales team would sell a sim. And there would always be a line item of professional services to implement. And some customers simply said, now we got this. We'll do it on our own. And you knew that those were going to be, you know, six months down the line, those are going to be the customers coming back to you and saying, your product doesn't work. It doesn't do what you told me it would. I don't get it. You know, like it's, it's really, it's junk. And you're like, well, because what have you done with it? Are you an expert at it? No, you're probably not. Right, because they were, there's, in addition to doing that new project or maintaining that new tool the seven others that they've been maintaining for their career they're still doing it right security is one of those and my uh, my old cfo always used to yell at me about this he said i was the only member of of his leadership team that always added technology and added processes but never sunsetted anything yeah well that but that's well god that's an entirely different rabbit hole to go down because (laughs) good god you know we we've (laughs) In in the twenty years I've been in this industry, um, arguably before it was really a thing, right? So, in this in that twenty year span, I don't remember ever saying, "Oh, we don't need that thing anymore." Like we started with, you know, um, firewalls still need them, antivirus still need it, right? Uh, bone scanning tools <laughs> need them more than ever, uh, except now it's evolved into vulnerability management, which nobody really understands. Um, and, 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 and all like the things that we've added over the years, we, they're just all additive. They, they are. But the problem is, is the mindset of the leadership team that we're trying to convince that, hey, we need more resources. They're used to an IT environment where you get a new server, the old server goes away. You know, that that mindset of, well, the same person can handle the same workload. All you're doing is swapping out technologies. We don't swap out technologies and security. Mm, that's that's a good point. Well, and and so there's something else you touched on in in a, in a roundabout ways, you know, like the fact that there is there is not a specificity to jobs anymore. We nobody can really get you know the 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 amount of staff it would require to truly operate your program well. So folks just kind of do their best. So you hire somebody that's that knows sim. They know a little bit about um, an IP, how to make an IPS work, and they can also operate an AppSec scanner. Cool. So those are their three jobs, but they're not really an expert at anything. They could be maybe an expert at one of those things and you know mediocre at the other two. It's it's definitely a challenge to go back and find folks that are in depth experts that can not only do the technical integrations right but also the business process. I think that's where all of it fails. Is that we even if we have tools that are technically optimized. They, they very rarely get business optimized. That's a good point. Yeah, that, that's not easy to do, especially with fast as businesses are changing these days. Well, by the time you get the tool, actually, you know, say, take, take the SIM, for example, our favorite whipping boy. But by the time you get most of them implemented in six to nine months to get it, you know, all the logs in and make sure it's reporting and make sure that it's not spitting out false positives, you know, 20 times an hour and that it's alerting you and it's, you know, doing something as a result, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, to, to the business around you in six to nine months, odds are, has significantly changed. Absolutely. And then, as I think you mentioned this, that newness wears off. Mm. And now for day after day, week after week, month after month, 
you're doing the same task and and that's hard for us humans to uh you know to do and to do well uh, i don't know what the right answer is there but uh, maybe that's more automation Ro- robots. right <laughs> exactly well, and it makes it difficult, too, because, you know, when you've got executives looking down on you and they say six months later, hey, what are you doing in security? And it's like, well, we're still rolling out this one solution. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't look like you're moving, even though you're moving. It doesn't really look like you're moving. And that, you know, that creates a challenge out there. And I think I don't know if you guys saw this and I, I don't have the link to it, but I saw an article a week or two ago talking about uh, it may have been just somebody's theory about the short tenure of of the typical CISO and how that often leads to really focusing on like those short projects because, hey, if I'm only going to be here for three years, what can I do that'll create an impact for my resume later uh, rather than, you know, digging deep into some of these longer term things that you might never finish if you're not going to be there for more than a few years. Do you see anything like that out there? I do. And I actually heard a funny quote. Uh, I won't say the company or the person's names because I don't want them to to be listening to your podcast and go, hey, that was me. Uh, But I actually have heard people say, you know, I don't have time to to gather metrics. You know, they're they're so busy deploying and and keeping things running that they're not gathering those metrics that would show the value six months later of what we've done and why we've done it. Uh, So that's just another area where I think we as a as a profession really struggle. Mm. So, all right. What what else are you seeing out there, Brian? Before we interrupted you and took you down this one. No, that's that's all right. Uh, so one of the more positive things that I'm seeing as well is groups are starting to adapt what I would consider more advanced activities as part of their security programs. So in addition to doing the the uh, foundational elements, I'm starting to see teams have their own pen testing group internally. Uh, they have their own threat hunting. A team, even if it's only one person, they're starting to get more into this this proactive uh, activities that in the past, you know, maybe they would bring in a third party to do once a year, and that would be it. Uh, so I've been very encouraged to see uh, that development uh, across the board. Hmm. Are you seeing a similar thing? Yeah. Um, I am. Uh, it's interesting that there's there's a uh, so a trend I saw about two years ago that that sort of fizzled, um, and I was curious what would happen to it. Is as a new CISO took a job, um, they would rather than doing you know the first thing is everybody does is okay let's do a pen test figure out where we're weak, recognizing that that first pen test will probably slice the company through like a hot you know knife through butter right. They would they would go back in and, and, and kind of do an internal assessment, fix the things that were obvious, and then like nine months in, go and do an actual pen test to see where the real deficiencies were that they didn't have uh, sight into. I don't see that happening anymore, um, and I just I don't see you know, I see the you know the yearly or or, or you know bi yearly pen testing still done, uh, mm-hmm. but penetration testing as a whole. Has sort of started waning, like as as a, as a major activity has started waning. Does that does that sound right to you? I, I think what is being done is it's it's being replaced by the the cooler term uh, threat hunting. Yeah, uh, I mm. think people are are they're doing threat hunting, they're doing analysis of systems, but they're also doing scanning and pen testing. Uh, but it sounds cooler to say you're threat hunting. 
Mm. We love we love new buzzwords, don't we? That's we do. You know the the thing I see. You know when you look at a lot of the organizations now is rather than seeing internal pen testing, right? You see the internal red team. That's right. Oh, and, wait, I know, thought that was purple. <laughs> and funny enough, you know, most people that do internal red teaming are just penetration testing, right? And there's a difference between the two, but a lot of people don't, they just pick up the new buzzword. Same thing, like, in, especially on the AppSec side, you see everything, you know, with some form of combination of DevSec and Ops. And, you know, I mean, it's like, oh, that's that's application security is DevSec and Ops. It's like, really? You know, I mean, it's just a new buzzword you're using for the same things we've been doing. And, you know, so I, I do see a lot more organizations that are bringing internal testing in. Uh, the thing is, though, is that I see a lot of places they have a hard time doing that. You know, we see so much focus on trying to bring internal, uh, you know, internal testing. And it's like, you know, there's a lot more stuff you could be doing rather than just providing that, you know, depending on what your situation is, um, you know, and trying to get people to understand, look, you can bring in people that are less skilled and train them up to be able to do that, a lot of that type of testing that we're seeing, you know, versus going out and trying to find the top dogs out there to come in because, you know, most organizations aren't paying what consultant companies are paying, uh, you know, for a lot of these really super qualified people. But you can get people and train them up on how to do this stuff. I, I don't think a lot of people or enough people take advantage of that technique. That's a good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would have to agree with you there. All right, Brian. So what's number three on that list? Uh, so number three on this list is I think everybody's cautiously watching this whole movement around machine learning, data analytics, UEEBAA, and all that good stuff. Yeah. Oh, you didn't um, say AI, so you get bonus points. <laughs> no, I think that's that's the future beyond the future. Um, I, I don't I don't know if there's actually a word for that one. Uh, I think everybody's optimistic about what that's going to provide i haven't seen a whole lot of groups you know jump all in and and start deploying this a few groups that have tried doing it uh, i think the false positives uh, have kind of scared them away a little bit but uh, but i think we're all hoping that that is going to help us from a from a workload and and speed standpoint hmm so, uh, this is the intermediary step then the orchestration automation space? I, I yes, that that's what I've been telling people is you know again let's take this one step at a time uh, and let's automate things wherever we can. And I am starting to see you know in the past if if you told a CISO you know you can automatically once you detect that throw up a new rule in, in your firewall and block that they would look at me like I was crazy. But no way, I'm never, there's no way I'm going to put a block in automatically. Uh, but now I'm starting to see more and more be open to that idea. Um, whereas they're, they're not just waiting for a human to have to push the, push the switch. That, is that a, is that a, is that a function of the fact that there's just simply not enough monkeys at typewriters or is that something else? I was I was hoping it would be the fact that the technology is has gotten to the point where it's so good and we trust it, but unfortunately I think you're probably right. I think it's just more a matter of of sheer exhaustion and saying, "Fine, go ahead and put the rule up, and I'll I'll deal with whatever fallout <laughs> comes if it happens." 
I remember that being the problem with like when IDS became, you know, IPS. Everybody would want the features, but nobody's willing to take the risk on, oh, crap, you blocked something by accident, and the business is going to freak out. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, all of your IPSs then get switched back into IDS mode for 12 months until everybody forgets and you can turn it back on. Right. That, that, that's, <laughs> that's completely true. Is, the, is that inherent, um, I don't know, is that inherent switch to automated decision-making because we're starting, I'm starting to hear talk of well, we're making decisions based on the confidence of our environment. Like, a, a, they're assigning confidence to rules or like triggers. Um, it used to be, you know, we take what the vendor says. Like, if that's critical, that's critical. But now there's the ability to sort of self, because of the orchestration automation tools, sort of self-score. Like, hey, that's a high confidence thing. Or this plus this equals that. Um, is is I guess that's that's more of a risk management approach, right? Where you get some put some numbers behind it and like use you know trust and stuff like that. Yeah, I think uh, absolutely, and not only that, but I think what it gives you, um, if something were to happen, uh, you have all that that information uh, to fall back on, and and so then it becomes so the conversation doesn't go, I can't believe you did that. It becomes look, I did it for these reasons and here's where all the different indicators and here's what led me to this decision. And then people look at that and go, okay, well, geez, that makes sense. Um, now we can go tweak the parameters or we can reduce, um, you know, these numbers and only take action when it hits 95 instead of 90. So now you're dealing with the decision elements as opposed to the decision itself. Uh, so I think that's where the big change is coming. That that is that's certainly interesting. Um, all right, what 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 else is what else is the uh, rounds this out then? That's that's three good ones. So so the last big one is is you know around all the regulatory compliance uh, brouhaha, um, you know with with GDPR. Uh, you know, even the China security law, uh, I'm starting to get a lot of questions about that. Uh, so this whole regulation uh, fatigue, it's not just HIPAA. It's not just, um, you know, maybe PCI, even though that's not a regulation. Uh, I, I think CISOs are starting to feel a little overwhelmed with trying to manage all these different rules and, and regulations. And what that's driven is more emphasis on understanding where your data is going inside your company. There's, I think there's a lot of people that think their data is in one data set or in this one environment, and then as they start mapping data flows and, and really analyzing, they're realizing, oh, wow, this stuff is everywhere. How did it get there, and when did we start using it for that reason? Uh, so that's been real eye-opening for, for a number of companies. Hmm. Always the always the challenge. Are, are, is there um, is, is there still the, uh, the 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 push to do um, you know sort of that high level risk management um, deep calculated formula based approach that that got popular for a while. I'm not seeing that as much. Um, I am seeing you know sort of that. Let's revisit our data classification. Uh, let's make sure that we're we're making decisions based on you know, the criticality or, or confidentiality uh, of the data. So a lot of companies are blowing the dust off their 
their data classification scheme and, and looking to see if that still makes sense for them. That's uh, a <laughs> man that data classification takes me back to uh, something you said earlier and you mentioned the fundamentals and I, I wasn't going to go there, <laughs> but I kind of want to go there. <laughs> Are you seeing that, uh, you know, for example, that, uh, that top 20, right? The critical controls, um, there's still a lot of talk. Well, we just we should just do the make sure we do the basics right. Basic security hygiene. Are are we getting any better at, or is there any talk of getting better at quote the basics? Yeah, I think I think we're getting better at basics in pocket, and you know I I think it's very again it's very easy to get distracted uh, from those basics uh, to the the newer cooler. Uh, activities and in having to circle back and, and redo the basics almost all over again. Um, but I think people are coming to that realization of, you know, let me get good at these fundamental things so that if something bad were to happen, you know, I'm not in the news and, and reading about how, oh, I can't believe you had this vulnerability for six years and didn't even patch it. Yeah, that that seems to be fairly regular in terms of things that happen, right? Because we've uh, we've gotten to where, uh, for the most part, most companies, most CISOs aren't dramatically wanting um, for uh, for you know budget in terms of like oh, I can I can either afford an IPS or I, like they're not really struggling at that level right now. It's just I think it's just too many things going too fast and in too many specificities, so it becomes difficult to manage but have we uh have we gotten out of the uh out of the out of the problem of um i don't want to word this well so the dashboard that nobody looks at <laughs> yeah that's the 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 famous heat map of all the different colors and, and everything yeah except for is that where, the one you're referring to yeah except for the fact <laughs> that everything is in the red yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, you need to have like ten different colors so you can show more progress uh, easier. The uh, I think the dashboards. Uh, I'm seeing less emphasis on the the one perfect dashboard and more emphasis on Brian. Help me tell the story. You know, what is it that I'm trying to communicate with this dashboard or with these numbers? And is that story going to be effective for what I'm trying to achieve? And, and that, I think, is a real positive uh, swing is we're moving away from the shock and awe metrics of, hey, I blocked, you know, a million spam messages a day. OK, so what? Uh, <laughs> as opposed to, hey, we're we're dis- you know, we're patching items quicker, which is reducing, you know, the window of our vulnerability, which is allowing us to then spend more time on you know, these other activities. So it's weaving that story. Uh, and explaining how you're leveraging uh, these technologies so that you can do better things. Interesting. And that's hard. That's hard for us tech guys to do. Yes, you're not kidding, because you always want to go to the next, you know, the next cool tech thing. Yep. Well, and you always want to have the biggest numbers too, right? I mean, it, it sounds so much cooler to talk about blocking a billion spam messages than it does saying, you know, we've reduced it. There's no number attached to that. It just I think that is something that we struggle with as well, is that we we like looking at really big numbers. Right. Yeah. Well, 
the the biggest challenge we had for a long time and i'm sure i don't know if you'll agree with me ryan but is the fact that we couldn't show numbers because nobody knew nobody knew what they were and then we we started implementing tools and processes and it turns out yeah we had numbers they just weren't good so people stopped wanting to report them and, and i think that's <laughs> short-sighted because if you look numbers are better than nothing and if you even if your numbers your metrics uh, on, on performance are bad it gives you something to work off of absolutely you can start trending that over time uh, and like i said building that story of you know here's what's working here's what's not working um, you know sooner or later probably sooner rather than later you know you're going to be challenged about you know, are we getting the value for that SIM or for that scanning software? And you need to be prepared to answer that question. Well, that's that's the perennial tough one, right? Is like we, I remember uh, we used to talk about why well, we haven't we haven't had any issues. So do we still need the security stuff? <laughs> luckily, that <laughs> luckily we don't we don't have that discussion anymore because the news has made sure of that. Um, but that's I feel like, like that's kind of like saying, no, I haven't been in a car wreck. Do I really need these seatbelts still? <laughs> Well, I think that's I think now in modern times, you know, 2017 and on, with breach after breach after breach after breach, um, that that has now that question has been laid to bed. But I, I gotta say, uh, Brian, as a former executive in security, you know, we have had some catastrophic, uh, well, cataclysmic breaches in security, um, and we've had executives dragged out in front of Congress, you know, strongly worded letters and hashtags and threats of you know lawsuits and all this stuff and and none of it's really done much am i am i missing something no and in fact i think this all of these breaches and this publicity is a is your proverbial double-edged sword on the one hand yes it it raises awareness and provides all this this good information that i could use to to scare my execs into doing what i want but on the other hand, they turn around and go, well, yeah, but you know, their stock price looks fine. So why should I deploy all this security stuff when the end impact really isn't going to hurt my company? Yeah, you might be up for you know, 100 hours straight fighting it, but, but in the end, my business is fine. Hmm. That's a tough one. <laughs> that's a tough one. That really is. Um... <laughs> I think maybe that's a good point. That's a good place to end this one because we're going to try to solve this. We're going to get headaches. End it on a downer note here. <laughs> well, then let's let's end it on a positive note, Brian. What's what's something that you see that's definitely improving? So what's definitely improving is I'm seeing a lot of excitement uh, and a lot of movement uh, at the university level uh, towards creating the next generation uh, cybersecurity workforce. Um, I mean, just last semester, I had uh, over 30 students in my uh, data encryption class. So that, you know, and it's not just new grad. You're seeing former IT people, former uh, other project leaders and, and programmers who are starting to make the switch into security. And, and I think it's just a matter of time before this this influx of of new talent and new ideas uh, really gives uh, our industry a boost. Hmm, I like that. That's see, that's 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 before we go any further. Let's end that right there on a positive note. 
<laughs> At least you're not teaching blockchain for dummies, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I probably have to take that course first before I could teach it. <laughs> nice, James. Any last thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, I think we're definitely seeing things change, and uh, that's a good thing. We just have to make sure we weed through the the, the buzzwords and all that stuff to to make sure we're not falling into any pit traps out there. Yeah, that is uh, that is true. That is absolutely true. All right, folks, that's where we're going to end it. Thanks for listening. This has been episode 303 with Mr. Brian Rozak. And, uh, Brian, that is one of the coolest job titles. What is it again? Managing Executive Director. I wow. like it, too. Wow, that's kind of a cool job title. Maybe one day I'll grow up and get one of those. <laughs> although... Uh, <laughs> Although I've, I've never held that CISO role. so And I, quite frankly, I don't think I've got the stomach for it. Uh, thanks for being on the show, buddy. It's been great having you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I look forward to listening to your other shows. This is great. I use this in my class. So wow. uh, I'm, bringing you, I'm bringing you new listeners every semester, buddy. That's fantastic. Well, I appreciate that. Folks, uh, you heard him first. Uh, can't you, new listeners all the time. Um, thanks for listening. This has been Raph and James, Mr. Brian Rozek. And... Uh, Thanks for catching us. Um, have a great 4th of July if you're listening beforehand, or Merry Christmas if you're listening to us at some point later. And uh, you have been down the security rabbit hole, so we'll catch you another time, another place, on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. Cheers, y'all. As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag PoundDTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Our website is whiterabbit.net, W-H-1-T-3-R-A-B-B-I-T.net. So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. <laughs>